A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Are we there yet? I'm Katie Gossett. And when babies enter the world, we are their world, essentially. Their focus is limited to the people they see around them. It takes time for that to widen out, for them to realise that other people, other cultures are also part of the world. And we need to help them down that path. We've been talking about how lack of knowledge and acceptance has brought this about it from, from our perspective and just how in some ways it's an opportunity to learn more about other cultures. We've been talking about something at the mosque and what a, a mosque is. A lot of questions have been coming from them about other cultures, some of which we know the answers to and others we all have to investigate. I've been chatting to parents at the National Remembrance Day here in Christchurch because this is the second part in our series on the terror attacks. Last time I talked to people about what they'd said because I was in the same boat. So how did we explain to our children about what happened on March the 15th? Now that many of the flowers have been taken away and the police presence has thinned out a bit, for a lot of people life will just have gone back to the way it was before. But this episode is about the bigger picture. What effects the attacks might have on our children long term and the role they might play in changing attitudes in the future. So if we're saying to our kids, oh, isn't it horrible and, and, and you know, let's make sure we do what we can, and then in a week or two it's kind of forgotten and we're getting on with life. Now in a way it's great to get on with life, but part of getting on with life is how do we actually incorporate parts of offering support, ongoing sensitivity and, and putting your money where your mouth is around these kinds of issues. Because that shows our kids that in fact they can be part of a solution a resolution around these issues rather than just feel really sorry for the people who had it happen to and then let's just put it behind closed doors and not think about it. That's Catherine Gallagher, our clinical psychologist. And she's right, most of us have been talking about it and thinking about it and that includes our children. So it's helpful to just touch base with them and see where they're at with it all. It's knowing them enough to know how are they doing. Are there some changes in, in their patterns of behaviour? Is their mood a little bit flatter? It's about being around them more and, you know, supporting them around what they're going through. You know, I would check in with them every once in a while, not in a let's all sit down and have a cup of tea and, and talk about March 15th, but to go, hey, you know, there might be something on the news or it's an anniversary date or it's just cause. And you go, you know, oh, I noticed I felt a bit sad today. You know, I just had a, a memory about that and it kind of sat with me a bit funny. Does that ever happen to you? And it can help children understand the way we process things. It's about giving kids permission and information about that's how our brains work. They get triggered into things, they're reminded of things, the brain is trying to work this thing out. And so it's that idea of dropping and running. If your kid goes, oh, I'm fine, oh, don't talk about him. You're just dropping and running, you're, you're, you're planting some ideas, you're giving permission, and then you're extracting yourself, you know, and letting them get on with it. But really what you've said to them is it's okay to talk about this stuff, it's normal. Because in some cases, children are silent. We've talked about it a little bit, but not in any depth. I probably do need to talk to him about it again at some stage. My son seems quite disengaged, but I know that he's thinking about it. 
tempting as it is in these situations to want to grab children and kind of poke them and say, hey, this big thing's happened, you know, don't you want to talk about it? In actual fact, some of those kids will be absolutely fine. If kids are doing okay and, you know, their routines are back in place and there's no significant changes in terms of their personality, then they probably are doing okay. What about in a situation where a child seems quite detached from it, really seems to have no interest? I think it's a really important point because, again, if the child's doing fine, we don't want to say, do you know just what a big deal this was? Because that's not helpful. But again, as a parent, if you think, what is it I want my child to learn? I want my child to feel safe. Great. Sounds like my child in that scenario is feeling pretty safe. But in fact, if we think about our values as a family, maybe that's where what you put in front of the child is if you hear comments you know, that are casually racist in a program that you're listening to together, you might bring that to their attention. Because yes, the child might go, oh yeah, whatever, mum. You know, you're kind of putting it out there and it remains a live issue. And the other thing is, the child who says, oh yeah, whatever, may actually not be okay. They might be telling you they're fine, but everything else about them is showing you that they're not. So that's where it would potentially be useful to check in with them and say, hey, I'm noticing you're telling me you're fine, but you know, you've been wetting the bed or you know, it's been harder for you to get off to sleep. What's going on? And some, some assurance around safety and you know, that, that whatever's going on that we'll get through this together is really important. Because this has, after all, come as a shock to all of us. Unbelievable, really. Disbelief, shock that it's happened here in New Zealand. It's just a real eye-opener. But as I mentioned in the previous episode, it has happened here before, and it caused the same level of disbelief and stress. Good morning, New Zealand. I'm Jeff Robinson with Kim Hill and Morning Report. Anamoana is still closed to the public following yesterday's tragedy, which claimed 12 lives, including that of the gunman. Our reporter Peter Brittenden is north of... In the end, 13 people were left dead after David Gray's rampage through the small Otago settlement of Aramoana in 1990. Julianne Bryson's daughter Rewa and her partner Gary were among the dead and she later spoke of the same disbelief that many feel now. It's just really hard to believe that in a beautiful little place like Aramoana and in a lovely country like New Zealand, something like this has happened. And then of course there were the earthquakes. So Christchurch has had its share of grief and there was shock then too as 185 people lost their lives. Having parented through the earthquakes... You have a lot of that experience that comes into it and it's kind of a horrible experience to have but it gives you knowledge that you can take to this. So you start going, what do we practically need to do? Turn the radio off, normal evening, normal routine. And Catherine Gallagher also has some thoughts on how to really help without just feeling sorry for Christchurch. I've heard a lot of people say, oh no, poor Christchurch. They've had this new horrible thing happen to them and I agree, it is a horrible thing. But to feel sorry for us, as you can hear, this is personal, doesn't actually help us. Of course we need to acknowledge that already stretched resources will be stretched even further, and so we need sustained resourcing and support. But we actually also need to acknowledge that Christchurch's previous experience has also given us a unique knowledge and expertise to cope with the city in crisis. She goes on to say that focusing on our strengths doesn't mean denying all the challenges that lie ahead, but it might give us some sense of competence and control at a time when those things are really important anchors for us. And that goes with our kids too. So we want to focus on the things that might be worried about, but we also want to focus on what are they doing well? What are their strengths? Because that's the stuff that they have some control over. 
But there are differences too. The key one being when the earthquake struck, we were all at risk. People had different experiences of this event in the aftermath, and so your reactions are allowed to be different. In this situation, the impact of this event was targeted towards a specific group, and so it would be normal to experience some relief that you weren't part of this group, and then of course can warm up to feelings of guilt about that relief. I didn't feel particularly scared or worried because I knew I wasn't a target, and that for me, the emotions around this are very messy, very hard to deal with as an adult, let alone to explain to a child. The man accused of the attacks came from Australia, and that may make it easier for some to dismiss this as a threat that came from elsewhere. But perhaps we need to look deeper than that. We could kind of draw in the wagon and say that we're okay, this is not us. I suppose the challenge for us is to kind of go, yes, that person may not have been us, but you know, the culture in which he was able to kind of get his beliefs out there or, or kind of connect to is a little bit us, and that's the uncomfortable pill to swallow. But the casual racism that's all around us presents even greater challenges for Muslim parents and kids. When my daughter was in year six, she had to give a speech in her school. And the speech she wrote on was being an Islamophobe. And I think a lot of what she had written now sort of comes back. The persecution of Muslims. We are branded as terrorists just by association. And what we try and tell them is we do not practice hate no matter what. You know, try and be positive try and feel the love, because for one people that hate you, there's ten other that will love you. And have you had a lot of conversations of this sort? Ah, yeah, individually, yes. I think there have been a few links sent that explains to our community members how to talk to their own children about what's happened. What were some of the tips that they gave? You know, be open and transparent with your children. Get them to understand what's happened from a different perspective. Don't foster the same hate or don't foster the same... You know, we are different because we are not. And talking frankly is also something that helps Julianne Bryson after losing her daughter and partner at Aramoana. I've fostered a lot of children in the past and a lot of children I've had come out and stay with me so that they feel good about Aramoana and they're not frightened about it. They've wanted to know exactly where Gary was, where River was, where David Gray was standing. They had to get it really clear in their mind. And that was really good. You know, children can really teach us a lot. They really can. And our children may ultimately be the leaders in how we change our approach. So it's important to keep that discussion open. I mean, it's something she sort of talks about now, is about the mosque and the people who've gone. And so I imagine over the next months and years it is something we'll talk about. They talked a lot about how sending love is a really great way to act if you feel like you need to do something. Because one of her questions was, Mum, how do I protect all the Muslim people here? That's a huge concept for an eight-year-old. Since the attacks, the mood in New Zealand has been one of love and positivity towards the Muslim community. People greeting us on the streets, people coming up, apologising. Our response is, you don't need to do that, it wasn't you. I think what's happened is for us, our circles have grown. We've got more communities, more neighbours, everyone's talking to us. I think it's brought us all closer together as a community, as a nation. The tricky bit is, how do we keep that spirit going? Because as we learned in the earthquakes, people can suffer from compassion fatigue. We have to be aware that people aren't going to be able to continue to hold this issue front and centre as much as we are, or actually in the communities that this directly impacted, that this will remain front and centre for them for a very long time, if not forever. 
And so it's really important that we try and not get compassion fatigue, that we keep trying to be of support because it, it can sit uncomfortably. And generally, people don't like to feel uncomfortable for too long. To rid ourselves of this feeling, we either do things differently or we tend to turn away and avoid. Here's hoping, and this is my major hope and wish, is that New Zealand can stay feeling uncomfortable for as long as it takes to create some positive change. And that comes down to all of us, including us parents, to translate that feeling of discomfort into something useful. To say, hey, how are we going to keep remembering the people who were affected by this? What are we as a family going to do to show our concern and care in our sense of community? So that's another way to kind of keep it a wee bit alive, not from a fear, oh my gosh, this is what happened, but from a focusing on the future and saying, hey, how about we go to that festival and learn about that stuff? Or how about we actually, you know, once a month make something, cook something? Um, Or how about we donate some things? You know, how do we actually learn about and be part of the solution rather than focusing on, you know, the fear about what happened on March 15th? Because that's a little bit about showing kids that shitty things, scary things, out of control things can happen and moving through them we've got to feel those feelings but we can also help ourselves process that by taking a bit of control and doing something constructive about it. And that's it for today. Are We There Yet is produced and presented by me Katie Gossett, Alex Harmer does the musical mix and Tim Watkin is our executive producer. The archival audio comes to us courtesy of Na Taonga Sound and Vision. And if you found this helpful, you'll find other episodes of Are We There Yet? on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or on our podcast page at rnz.co.nz. And while you're there, fellow parents, this is some exciting news. RNZ has a new storytime collection. So heaps and heaps of stories read aloud, and they're now sorted in a really easy way. So you can look for them or search for them by title, by author, or even by reading age. So if you want stories about history or magic, dogs, whatever, they're grouped together so your children can find exactly what they want. Head over to storytime.rnz.co.nz on your phone or your computer and let us know what you think. And don't miss our next episode of Are We There Yet? when I'm going to talk about the problematic world, or at least it is for us parents, of online gaming. 